And I'll begin by reading um, down to verse 9 anyway this afternoon. I think probably that's all we'll have time for. Second Peter chapter 3, 1-9. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then was being overflowed by water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word and for this warning and this thought of remembrance that we would remember the coming of the Lord and that that day will come when God shall judge and that he will make the crooked path straight and that he will set things in order according to his plan and purpose. Father, we do pray that even as scoffers today do ridicule the word of God, we know you will hold them accountable for if they continue in their unbelief, they will be judged for their great sin. Father, we ask your blessing that there may be opportunity, even now, for many to turn to you and to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we find that this passage, of course, does remind us of the fiery indignation of the Lord that even Ed Seely spoke about and the whole reason that he himself and Moses, the pastor Moses, went to uh, Malawi, Africa, 
to do evangelistic work among the people there is that they may receive the word of God and many of them be saved. And of course, all mission work, missionary work that is truly preached by the power of the gospel of Christ is to the same endeavor. But we know all missionary work is not the same. I read some years ago in an evangelistic book which was written that said that unless the gospel is given by intent there is no gospel given which may have some significance here. In other words, you can go do some work for somebody or something, or you might even try to be good, do kind things for people. But if there's no true and true gospel given by intent, that is, with the intention of being a witness for Christ and winning someone to Christ, is the gospel truly being preached? Is it at all effective? Well, we find that uh, there are scoffers in this world today. In Second Peter 3, 1-9, it talks about those scoffers. They shall come walking after their own lustful desires. That is, uh, the scoffers um, were in the first century as well as they are now in this century. Some were in the 21st century. And we find that um, that many will walk after their own lustful desires as they continue to scoff against the word of God. And so we find that there are many who will come and they will ridicule the very word of God. Secondly, scoffers are willingly ignorant, that is, those who are in unbelief and rejecting of the gospel of Christ, whether it be in the year 2021 or 2022 or 2023, we find that those scoffers continue to scoff, but they are willingly ignorant of the truth. Though they know the truth, they are willingly ignorant of the truth. And perhaps you have heard someone say to you before, where is the promise of his coming? Why hasn't the Lord returned yet? Well, a simple answer to that, a good biblical answer is that God has his own timetable. That one day is as a thousand years with the Lord and God is long suffering and because he is long-suffering, he has not come as yet. And the fullness of the Gentiles has not yet been completed. And so we recognize that God has his own program. And then thirdly, God is long-suffering to those who wait for his return. You know, as God considers the believers, those who have trusted in him, and that we are waiting upon his return, 
still God is long-suffering to us as well as to those who have not yet believed. Could we wish that God would come right now if there were many more thousands or millions that needed to be saved? I don't think so, would we? We might often say, I'd like to go to be with the Lord, and that is okay. Perhaps the Lord does mean to take us at a certain time, and we will go before he returns. But I would not be the one that would want to say, Lord, you have to come right now when he is long-suffering that others may be saved. There's an old country song that says, Just a little while longer, sweet Jesus, to get my loved ones in. Just a little while longer, sweet Jesus. Well, though those country songs are often simplistic in what they say, there is some truth to that. We should pray that God will allow many, many more to come to faith in Christ before he closes the door altogether. So let's look at this passage uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. He gives a reason for the epistle. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So this is something that he wanted them to remember that they already knew. And perhaps uh, that in itself is significant considering that Second Peter was written sometime around 56 AD and that the Lord had of course died and resurrected some 56 years before and that he told his own disciples I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also and yet Perhaps many of them thought, we have been waiting a half a lifetime now, and the Lord has not yet returned. Considering that the lifespan of most people probably during that first century was not all that long. I believe it is considered, I heard recently, that... Uh, the lifespan of our founding fathers was considered to be 60 years in America. And of course today many people are living to be 80, 90, 100 years old. And so many, many Christians at that time, then they, they probably lived a very hard life in the first century considering that many of them were, were peasant people, that is, the common, common people. They worked hard to eke out a living. 
there was no particular welfare system. Uh, I don't imagine Rome handed out too much money and to them. They had to work very hard by the sweat of their brow as Adam was uh, destined to do among the thorns and the thistles of life. And here we are and we're still waiting for the Lord to return working among the thorns and the thistles of life. And he says, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And he wanted them to remember the coming of the Lord. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. We know that the prophets of old did speak of such a thing as the day of the Lord, as the coming of the Lord, as it is spoken of throughout the prophets, the minor prophets, in certain areas. And we do know that the apostles themselves spoke of these things, of the coming of the Lord. He says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lustful desires, or lusts. And we know that the scoffers are, are, of course, very prominent to speak out and to ridicule the church. Especially whenever uh, one of the Christians have fallen into some sin or other, they are very quick to point out the great error of the church and of those who serve in the church. And they're very quick to ridicule the second coming of Christ and the end of the world and many other apocalyptic topics that have to do with the coming of Jesus. And so this view of the second coming and the day of the Lord, Peter addresses this. So we find that though many come living after their own lustful desires, they also come ridiculing the gospel of Christ and of his return. And scoffers willingly are ignorant, in verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Probably the fathers here probably refers to the Old Testament fathers, especially, for they were very much aware of the kind of day of the Lord would finally come. We've been reading about that in Zechariah and Malachi and of course um, even the book of Genesis has much to say about the day of the Lord and 
And then the prophets themselves were faithful. And we recognize that God has willingly delayed his coming for reasons. Yet those who should know the truth or, w or would know it because they have been told are ignorant. They are ignorant of that by which the word of God, it says the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now, of course, this is talking about the great flood. And to those who would say, oh, it was just a localized flood, notice the terminology. It says, by which the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. It wasn't just a local flood, it was a worldwide flood. It was a judgment upon the civilization at the time when every imagination of the heart was only evil continually, as we read in Genesis. And it was a time that God condemned man, even though righteous Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, preached for 120 years before one raindrop fell on the great ark, by which the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, I kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. The first great judgment that came upon the world, God brought a great flood and destroyed the civilization at the time except for Noah and his family. The second time, God will bring a great judgment indicating the day of the Lord when Christ comes again and it would be by fire that God would judge the world again. The heavens and earth which are now by the same word kept in store, that is by the same word of God, same word kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. And even Ed Seeley mentioned that fiery day of judgment in his letter to us. And so we find that that fiery day of judgment is coming. A day of judgment and perdition of ungodly. A day of judgment and perdition. And so we find that this judgment will fall upon the world. But because this epistle is written to believers and this warning and remembrance is given unto them, we find in verse 8 that Peter says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, 
and a thousand years as one day. You may have noticed the small excerpt that I included in your program at the top where it says thought for today. It says one of the earliest apologetic problems in the early church was the issue of Christ's second coming. The apparent delay caused some to question whether he would ever return. Apparently Peter's opponents asserted that the world would go on as it is always had with no intervention from God. Peter effectively defeated their objections. He reminded them that the world is not eternal. God acted decisively at creation by bringing the world into existence. Moreover, the great flood demonstrates that God does not sit idly by while history progresses. We now await, said Peter, the future destruction of the world by fire. Finally, the apparent delay is not a post postponement from God's perspective since he does not reckon time as we do. A thousand years are like one day to him and in any case the interval before Christ's coming gives people opportunity to repent. So we find that God means to give opportunity for people to repent. Now this is a gracious and merciful Heavenly Father that allows opportunity for people to repent, for people to turn to Him. I'm sure that every one of us has family members we would like to see enter the kingdom of God to repent and turn to the Lord. In fact, our churches often are empty in many regards just because there are so many outside who have not or will not enter the church door and have rejected the gospel of Christ and need to have that message of Christ preached unto them. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so how many days has it been since creation? Just a few days. And God is still working out his plan to bring as many into the family of God as possible. Verse 9, as we look at the last point here, God is long-suffering to those who wait for his return. Remember, the Christians are still being addressed in the first century. Although unbelievers might read this epistle, he is written, writing to believers. The second, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He's writing to believers of pure mind. 
He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. God has not forgotten his people. God has not forgotten his program. But is long suffering toward us, toward us, toward believers. And so if any believers are somehow discouraged or thinking the Lord has forgotten them, he says, don't be. The Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Perhaps some of them thought that doubts being creeping in, that somehow they would perish and not know of the true salvation of God. Or perhaps they were thinking, there are many in my family who have not yet come to faith in Christ and has Christ forgotten? And Peter says, no, he hasn't forgotten you, nor has he forgotten anyone who should repent. But that all should come to repentance, he says. But it is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word for willing here is, and this is God's mind and God's heart here, it's not the word decree, it's not the word for decree, it's the word for desire. God doesn't desire, he doesn't desire that any should perish. If he decreed that nobody would perish, then all, all would be saved, wouldn't they? No, this is the word for desire. God does not desire, so that why, why doesn't he desire this? Because he wants them saved and because he is long-suffering to us would. He is long-suffering. And so he waits. He, he willingly de- waits upon his program. Now, we know that God is of great wisdom to do exactly all he has said he would do. And um, all we have to do is go back where we were this morning and read the last few verses of Romans 11 and it will answer your question. What does God say in Romans 11? In verses 33 to 36, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Remember, God delays because he is full of wisdom and knowledge to do those things that are right and good. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Has anyone? Job had to come to that same conclusion. He is not, Job was not a counselor for God. Verse 35, Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is in charge. He's in control. He knows when 
he will send his beloved son back to earth again in fiery judgment against those who scoff and are not willing to repent. But he is long-suffering to us as believers. He does not desire that people perish in their sins, but he desires that they should come to repentance. And he waits. He does not delay more than what is necessary, but he, in his wisdom, allows time to escape, knowing that there are many yet to come to faith in Christ, that the church age is not ready to be fulfilled yet. But when we look at the world around us today, I'm sure, as in the first century, they would say, we are closer than we have ever been before. And as we look at the world, what is on the horizon? A one-world government? A one-world religion? A one-world monetary system? There's a lot of things on the horizon. A one-world leader? The world is heading and gearing up for the mark of the beast. But God has not yet allowed it to happen. We, we see all kinds of signs of it, but it hasn't happened yet. And how long will he delay? I don't know, but he is long-suffering to us, would, not willing, not desiring that any should perish, who would come to be faith, come to faith in Christ. And what is effecting, effectual in that? God's free electing grace. That is what is at work. And his gifts and his calling are without repentance. God does not regret his long-sufferingness that people can repent and turn to him. And so we realize of this great work of God to accomplish his purposes. Scoffers shall come, but God is long-suffering. And his program is right on time. Is right on time. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Pray you will encourage us, realizing that we must be busy standing up for the truth, being witness for you, being the example of Christ wherever we can, being faithful and unmovable in the word of God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.